is Mark 13, beginning at verse 22. At that time men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, no, but my word will never pass away. Amen. I'm just going to read the last couple of verses of that as well, which were on the screen as well, so if I could just add those to it as well. Uh, bear with me a minute while I just find... And just continuing on from that reading, verse 32 says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert... You do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his own assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or midnight, or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everybody, watch and we're going to come and look more closely at that passage now <clears throat> so this morning we as I say are in Mark's Gospel and there's uh, the next four Sundays are going to come from Mark's Gospel and we're going to be looking at um, Easter through Mark's eyes effectively it's probably the best way of, of describing this um, and the reason for the reading this morning, if you, you've listened to that reading, you might have thought, well, where's Easter in that reading? All right. But I think it's worth pointing out um, that Mark, Matthew, and Luke, all these three writers of um, the, these Gospels, before they get into their full Easter narratives, the story that always comes just before it is this, this story we've had on the screen here, which is basically about Jesus talking about his return you know, he's not just talking about, as he does go on to talk about Easter and about what's going to happen, but he talk, he's talking already about what's going to happen beyond Easter. And I think it's, very, it's quite instructive, but he, this is all, it's part of the Easter narrative, and I hopefully I'll try and draw that out a little bit as we go. I mean, I always think of Easter, it can be a bit like Christmas. You know, we can get a bit hung up about all the other things that seem to go around Easter, and we can run into it without due thought and due preparation. You know, Easter does have a period running up to it called Lent, just as Christmas does have that Advent, doesn't it? But there's times where we turn up and it's like Easter Sunday and we're looking for our chocolate eggs before anything else. So it's good to reflect this is the major festival. Easter is the foundational festival of the Christian church. And therefore it's wise, although God welcomes us and says, come on, 
you know, it's wise to approach with, uh, with care, with thought and preparation, not just to always rush in, as it were. The Easter story is a roller coaster story where we can follow Jesus um, from the excitement of Palm Sunday, which is uh, next Sunday, isn't it? That's right. Um, where he arrives in Jerusalem riding on the donkey with crowds cheering and crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the story moves on so quickly, doesn't it, across that week into bitterness of his betrayal his desertion by his friends, and the whole travesty of injustice of that mock trial, that false trial, the result of which is the sinless son is sentenced to death on a cross. And then we have to wait, even then, across those three long days that take us from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, before the tears of grief that have been shed in Gethsemane and seen on Calvary are transformed into tears of wonder and joy at the empty tomb. Easter is a season. It's not just a celebration on Sunday morning. Sometimes we can move into Easter and because we, we, want, the, we, want, we want the happy ending and we can move to Easter Sunday too swiftly, but I would just encourage you, as you approach Easter this year, you know, just read those stories and see your know, journey, as it were, in those stories with Jesus, because we can learn from the story as well. It's good that we look back and remember the events that occurred that first Easter morning and that week, 2,000 years ago. And we feed in faith upon that story, because it reminds us once again of the ground on which we stand. But Easter is not the end of the story. The story doesn't stop there. In one sense, it is just another beginning. As marvellous as the witness to the empty tomb is, we're not called to remain there, but instead to go out from there, declaring into the world what has happened for as long as we're able to do so. And how long do we have to do so? Well, either the length of our mortal days or until Jesus returns, whichever is sooner. So I think to really grasp the significance of what we are doing at this time of year, you know, I would suggest that we look back to Easter, to that fundamental foundation of our faith and what happened there, but we look back in order to look forward with hope and expectation. And what do we look forward to? We look forward to Jesus' return. As I said, I think this is why it's instructive in, in all those three Gospels, why Matthew, Mark and Luke all proceed their Easter week narratives with this teaching of Jesus about his return. The return on a day and an hour unknown to us. <clears throat> Jesus said, No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor even the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So this morning, I just want us to look briefly at this passage, you know, if we think about our, how we might want to approach Easter. Uh, and as I say, it's not typically an, an Easter passage, but I think it is definitely very relevant to the journey we're on. The text reminds us to be on guard, to be alert. 
Because what happened that first Easter Sunday, the king, from that time, the kingdom of God is most assuredly coming closer day by day. The trajectory, as it were, of the world's history has been sealed by Easter and made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. It is only a question of if, for it's no longer a question if, but only of when. So just looking at those verses, verse 34, it's like a man going away, Jesus says. He leaves his house, he puts his servants in charge, each with his own assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Jesus, in a visible, physical sense, was also going away, and he knew that. But he did not want to leave his followers without their assigned tasks. In his absence, he appointed them, and therefore us, to be his stewards, to be his servants, to be his messengers. Maybe another word is ambassadors. Men and women who have been called to him to represent him to the world. And we do so in word, but also in deed living in ways that demonstrate we believe in him, not only in the Easter Sunday story, but we believe also firmly in his promised return. We believe in this gospel message. So post-Easter, the church is not called to put its feet up and wait for their Lord's return. We are instead called to be active, to be in our Lord's biz- about our Lord's business, attending to the tasks that have been laid before each one of us. At the ascension, Jesus clearly put his followers, as it were, in charge, minding things for him as he stepped out of the world for a while, promising us the companion of the Spirit as we go about his business. The mission of God in Christ does not end with the resurrection, but it continues in a very different way, in you and in me. As we journey into Easter and through Easter, we do so feeding our faith, reminding us what has happened, what we can depend upon, so that we might be sent back ourselves into the world, knowing afresh why we do what we do in Jesus' name. Jesus, throughout this passage, promises his followers that he would return, and he urges them as a friend that they not be found ill-prepared. He says, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening, whether at midnight, or when the cock crows, or even at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. There's no simple way around this. Jesus warns his friends, his followers, but they can't just try and sprint to the end of the race when his return is obvious to all. They need to be faithful, diligent in service, all the days leading up to it. None of us know the length of our earthly days. None of us do. But Jesus says, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back. If we sincerely want to celebrate and rejoice in all that has happened at Easter, then we need to be a people who are watching and waiting for our Lord's return. Awake, watching, active in his service. Something we do 
not out of fear, but out of obedient faith. In Christ, we have no need to fear that awesome day. But we do need to take Jesus' word seriously, realizing that the time is growing shorter, shorter with every day that passes by. It's no wonder, really, that Jesus warned his friends with the words, What I say to you, I say to everybody, watch. Jesus knew that he was going to what he was going to face in Jerusalem, his betrayal, his trial, his death. And he knew that his disciples might lose heart, might be tempted to fall asleep just because he was no longer physically with them. But he also knew that because of the events of Easter, the day would inexorably come when he would return, when he would come back and make all things new. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 28, Jesus says, You heard me say, say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. Jesus wants that day of his return for his family, his friends, to be another day of celebration rather than a day of sorrow and regret for what they have failed to do with the little time they'd had. So just again, coming back to opening Easter up and just thinking about this passage in that light. Easter, yes, certainly, is something we look back on and we feed in faith upon, although it happened over 2,000 years ago. But Easter is also a time, I think, when we are reminded of the importance of looking forwards, the importance of looking forwards, because Jesus calls us to the future. And it is because of his love, he also warns us, warns us with these words that we have read today. The Apostle Paul did much the same in his writing. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, Now, brothers and sisters, about the dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying to themselves, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, do not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. And the Apostle Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, writes similar words. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by far and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. 
So may we, if we come into Easter this time, this year, take the opportunity, yes, of looking back, but also recognising we are called to look forward. Looking back with thanksgiving so that we might once again know the foundation on which we stand and look forward to that day of our Lord's return with a living hope in active service. The events of Easter form that foundation of a Christian faith, but I think Easter also points us to another awesome day where we do not know on which hour it will be upon us. Might it be towards that day that we press on through Easter and beyond into the year ahead. I'm closing with the words that Jesus has written in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. It starts by a blessing. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, says the Almighty. Amen. Let us pray.